I finally get to deliver on my promise to have the audio from Friday's call with Ryan Cook. What a cool guy and what a cool life he's led as a tattoo artist. And he talks about the incredible influence and this is amazing thing to say that Glasnost, my band, had it on his life. And so listen now, DaleWileyShow.com. Are you here? I am here. Well, that is great. I'm talking <laughs> to Ryan Cook, who I've known for many years, and he has a krill, really cool career as a really great tattoo artist. And I thought it'd be great to talk about both how we met, which was in Crane, Missouri, and then how your life has changed, because I just think that you're such a fantastic artist. Oh, thank you. Well, so let's start just by talking about where you grew up. I know it's in Crane, but other people may not. Yeah, I uh, grew up in Crane and, you know, just like highlights that stick out were going to the pool in the summertime and yes. uh, I pretty much lived at the pool. And right. Barola Festival was always what I looked forward to, of course, as a child <laughs> and really, I guess, even until I left town. Yes, um, right. Um, the smell of the baseball field and, uh, playing music and watching, uh, you guys that were a little older than us, uh, play music and, uh, sit around and kind of, uh, try to learn guitar by watching you guys. Yes. Um, so me and I remember me and Brent Rice pretty much just trying to form chords, watching you guys, uh, strum around <laughs> on nylon string guitars in the, uh, band closet. Uh, so, well, you but, know, and you were on the baseball team when we were good, but you were younger than me. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, the year you guys went to state, I didn't participate in baseball. I was far too into music at that point, but I went to state <laughs> the year that you guys went to state and I was there. I think that was when uh, Frankie Sample maybe was pitching, right. but yes. Yeah. And so, did you actually graduate at Crane? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I okay. was out pretty quickly. Because your parents then moved to Arkansas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they moved uh, down just outside of Little Rock, and I went off to Pittsburgh State over in Kansas and okay. studied psychology there for uh, about a year and a half before I ended up transferring down here. Um in Little Rock and, uh, have didn't plan on being down here for very long and, uh, uh -huh. had planned on moving somewhere on the West coast and, uh, just fell into, as I graduated college, I ended up going into art and playing music in bands. Um, and then I met my wife right when I was about to graduate and she had just started a tattoo apprenticeship. Uh -huh. And, uh, I just kind of got kidnapped into that world. And, uh, <laughs> back then tattooing was pretty rough and tumble and very like, um, uh, artsy fartsy people weren't really in that circle. It, you know, right. people that had formal trainings in art, um, it was, you know, lots of bikers and right. guys that had been to prison and, um, <laughs> we, so we were kind of, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the tattoo artists usually weren't military, but right. you know, we tattooed a lot of military and bikers, and then people that were just, you know, on the fringe and musicians a lot of times. And then uh, right. around 2006, um, well, no, a- after September 11th. Um, I was tattooing when September 11th happened, and shortly after that, there was this huge shift where military and police, and who would previously never get tattooed, um, and right. then firefighters, and then just all these people that would never get tattooed started getting tattooed. And then around 2006, everything shifted, and people started wanting custom things and wanted an art background. and it just completely changed. Um, about 2008, we started winning awards and traveling all over the world. And it's been uh, crazy. I'm in the now with the quarantine. I'm in the, you know, the the most recent crazy thing in our industry, which has right. been like everything is <laughs> shut down, which has never happened yeah. before. Right. So. And so, are there any tattoos that you could do during this? No, no, we're um, pretty much we're considered a non-essential medical procedure. And uh, we were actually asked to donate a lot of our medical supplies, our PPE to, you know, anybody that could use them uh, in testing and stuff like that. But right. uh, So, yeah, no, they us and hairstylists and nail salons and massage and anything that are close quarters with people. Sure. Shut down. So we we had anticipated it about a maybe about a week before it actually happened. I started getting phone calls from friends overseas and messages from them saying, "Hey, this is this is real. This is real bad, and I, we're not seeing where your government is doing anything about it." Right. And uh, <laughs> they're like, "Heads up, this is really really dangerous." And then. Uh, and especially out of Spain, I, I go to Spain a lot and my friends there were just wouldn't stop messaging me. So we started wearing masks and not letting anybody in our building except for the people we were tattooing. Right. And then uh-huh. by that Saturday before everything really became apparent, uh, yeah, it was, it, it's just been crazy. But, you know, I haven't had a breath where I could like kind of spend some reflection time and work right. on music in this kind of way and work on art outside right. of commission pieces. So it's been uh-huh. nice, um, you know, but, uh, but weird, you know? <laughs> well, I'm sure it's weird because everything is weird, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, I guess that, you know, I just think that, you know, I got to know your parents well and everything else. And then in the middle of when we were, I don't remember the year, but I remember that I took a trip with you and me and your grandmother and grandfather to uh-huh. to meet or to out, go out to the Mickey Mantle stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> um, uh, my great uh, uncle... Wayne Metcalf, he had, uh, uh-huh. it's that little league yes. museum out there. And, uh, that's such a, I remember the first time I don't, it, that may have been the first time that I had seen it when you had gone 
I'm uh-huh. not sure, but uh, right. it was just so incredible because it was like a major league baseball park at the size of a little league field. And then I know, uh, yeah, it was so neat. Uh, but yeah, uh, I ended up living in that. And it's actually that's Baxter Springs, Kansas, and I actually okay. ended up living out there for a little while while I was going to school at Pittsburgh. And uh, really, but yeah, neat little town. Uh, Wayne's a Wayne's a cool guy. He's still out there kicking around and yeah so you know i know that your dad your grandpa is dead but your Mm -hmm. your grandma's still alive she's still alive yeah you know uh, i talked to her yeah yeah uh... (laughs) one of my favorite people she's a really wonderful gal she's a character and uh i've been one of the things that's been nice during the quarantine is i've had time to call her at least every few days and talk to her sure. just about nonsense, you know, or just not nonsense, but I've, <laughs> I've started growing a container garden and, uh, just, you know, asking her about, you know, she's this wealth of knowledge, um, right. you know, all the way back in, you know, Stone County. And, uh, yeah. so, uh, talk, getting to talk about kinds of tomatoes that no longer exist, you know, that really, you know, you know, just, uh, just, uh, interesting things. And, uh, I try to pick her brain when I can. And of course, anybody well, that's good, uh, you know, that's at that age, you know, they just have so much information and they know everybody, you know, it's, it's kind of right. like anybody in your family where they can track anybody, how they're related to yes. <laughs> so-and-so and, you right. know, you know, so she's, she's always fun. Now. Yeah. And yeah, so for anyway, sure. Tell me about your family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. My youngest sister, she works for St. Jude's, and uh, right. she's a – I don't know what the, her cancer official survivor. title is. She's a cancer survivor, and she's married to a cancer survivor, and they're right. both the most amazing people, the most in- inspiring people. Uh, they're just, you know, rays of sunshine and uh, – uh, she yeah she when she was nine years old she um was diagnosed with leukemia and my family pretty much in a moment's notice had to move to memphis to be there for her to be treated for a long time and so uh it was a strange uh strange experience but uh uh yeah saint jude's i now i that was my first experience with going to Memphis and kind of a love affair with Memphis. I got, right. you know, I live near Memphis now and I go over there for music, you know, when it, my band plays in Memphis all the time and I just love Memphis. Yeah, you and, live in Little Rock, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Just, just right outside my studios in Little Rock. And then, but yeah, um, Memphis is always, when we play shows, we're always within, you know, two to three months, we play, play Memphis all the time. So, right. And so tell me about your band. Uh, yeah, we're actually, we've been, it, it's, this has also been kind of neat with the quarantine, but, uh, we've written a whole album, a new album just by, I've had to learn how to work on a computer and, my <laughs> guitar player will send something over to my drummer where they've used a click track right. and then they send something over to me and I lay down maybe a synthesizer or bass or something. And then I do vocals over that uh-huh. and send it back to them. But we're going into the, 
the big studio tomorrow uh, to really? record a new album. Yeah, so it's a big enough studio that and we can all social distance and uh, illusionite, illusionite. So uh, illusionite, okay, yeah, illusionite. Yeah, just um. Like the word illusion oh, one, and astronaut. One, a single like, illusionaut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a navigator of truth, pretty much. Uh, right. So all of our songs are pretty much based around universal, you know, kind of uh, shared consciousness and um, truth, uh, whatever that is. So everything's written in a way that <laughs> it could have multidimensional meanings, and it's right. it's pretty artsy, but. Uh, but yeah, uh, we got we've got to work with some amazing amazing people. I know you've got to. I actually have some questions for you. I don't know how many you've answered on your own show, but uh, <laughs> but I've got to the last album we did. We got to work with Andy Jackson, who did the last three Pink Floyd albums. And, oh really? Um, wow! Yeah, That's and super uh, cool. just yeah, he, amazing, amazing engineer. He was the front of house on their last tour during the Division Bell tour, and then uh, okay before. Before that, on the previous album, we got to work with a guy named Ken Andrews from the band Failure, who's worked with Nine Inch Nails and oh, Beck and cool. um, uh, Tenacious D and just all kinds of fun people. Black Rebel Motorcycle wow. Club. But uh, but yeah, so uh, we're pretty excited on this stuff. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool. I don't know what kind of genre well, you call it. That's very cool, you know, and. I guess that I want to make sure that we talk about, because I really think that your tattoo work is just incredible. And I'm wondering what artists influence you and how do you develop that? You know, that seems like such a thing that wasn't really seen as an art firm, but I think it clearly no. is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around 2000. About 2006, it started being seen as an art form, uh, like a, right. and has been elevated to fine art. But, um, you know, like I grew up when I was in Crane drawing a lot, just doodling and having a hard time paying attention in class and just drawing, <laughs> you know, band logos and Star right. Wars scenes and, you know, and, uh, and, right. you know, I had Rita DeWitt as a, uh, art teacher when I was, you know, in elementary school and right. my grandmother, Marie Cook, she was just a amazing fine china painter. And she was, so, yes. Yeah. And she was, you know, just very patient and very always, you know, kind of showed me how to draw flowers and uh, things like that, you know. So at her house, it was always, you know, you know, Pat Allen, you know, my aunt. Um, oh, yeah. so we were always playing music and then, you know, doing art stuff there. And, uh, so then, uh, when I went off to college, I studied psychology and I came across a psychology teacher who had had us do some sort of art thing. And she was like, Oh, have you ever thought about doing art therapy? And at that time, you know, this is the like early nineties, like 93, right. 94. I, I didn't know what that was. And I would have had huh. to go to school and like, somewhere like Kentucky for that program and I didn't want to do that and uh, I ended up just kind of slowly getting into studio art classes and then just falling down the rabbit hole of fine you know just all my friends were artists and wow. but who changed my life really in tattooing of course my my wife is a phenomenal tattoo artist and we learned 
she started about six months before I did. Uh-huh. And, um, so when we started traveling, I went to Detroit and I learned portraits from at the time. And still he's one of the top portrait artists in the world. Um, a guy named Bob Tyrell and, uh, okay. he did a Johnny Cash portrait on my forearm and, you know, just kind of showed me kind of unlocked all these doors and introduced me to who is my favorite all-time artist, um, Robert Hernandez, who is out of Madrid, Spain. And so I, I went and met him in London back in 2010 and Uh we just hit it off. He's super into music. He's tattoos, like all these rock stars, Brad Pitt's flown out there and gotten tattooed by him. And it's just, it's his life's been completely incredible and we become super close friends so i go over there a couple times a year he comes over here a couple times a year and he's come to all the way to arkansas and worked out of our studio and but he's been listed by yeah he's been listed by rolling stone magazine as like one of the most influential tattoo artists of all time and he's a close friend and he's just so really the quality of my work comes from he looks at all my tattoos and, uh, so I have to keep that in mind. And, uh, right. so just being around that kind of greatness, uh, pushes me to never be satisfied with how I'm doing, uh, as far as, right. so yeah, that's, I guess Tell how you get to that point. I want to hear about her too. Yeah. She's an incredible artist. We do kind of different styles. She does a what lot is of her color, name? uh, Brooke Cook. Um, and, okay. uh, she's from, the central Arkansas area. And we met in college. We were both working at a uh, music store they had a Hastings um, music okay. store. And uh, we just kind of, I met her one day and I was like, this girl is exactly the kind of girl that I would want to date. And uh, really? I started talking to her and uh, uh, she had, as we had talked, she had told me she had just started a tattoo apprenticeship and we had the same birthday. So we went out on a birthday dinner really? uh, for our, our birthday and just, uh, we have worked every day together ever since. And that was 20 years ago. So, uh, uh, we've been married for 18. So, uh, but she, she, about the same time that I went to learn, um, from the guy in Detroit, Um, I got to meet this other guy who is like this master of color tattoos and we became friends as well. And I introduced my wife to her and she became very influenced by him. And, uh, so her style is reflective of that. Um, and, uh, she started winning awards. She started winning awards before me by about, uh, probably eight months. And, uh, she's won countless awards, uh, for her tattoos but uh yeah you can if you get on our website luckybella.com or tattooarkansas.com you can see all of our work and see her work and i think i have music to my or links to my band as well on there but we also are on illusionite.com and spinninginsiderecords.com all those go straight into everything well, that's awesome. Spotify and that's and stuff, so. why I wanted to get you on here, because I just think that, you know, number one, you know, our families have known each other for so long, but I honestly yeah. thought it'd be so great to get you on here and talk to you and hear about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have I have some questions about 
you actually, and it can bring sure. up some stuff, but, um, sure. so I, I remember one of my like most intense memories, uh, as far as like rock and roll based memories and just like, of course, like I said, me and Brent Rice specifically, I, Rice. I guess we had, <laughs> we were all intermingled in, um, in a music classes, you know, all the grades that seemed like were together Probably, or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And right. so I remember you having Glasnost, uh, yes. right? And, uh, and me and Brent being like, how do we want to start a band so bad? And, uh, you guys had had <laughs> a concert. Uh, um, I don't know yet what year that would have been. Maybe 87, August, 88. That was, no, that was January 6th, 1990. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I remember yeah. I, I think at one time I had a videotape of it because I think I videotaped it and uh, remembered <laughs> even like I would it would be embarrassing, but I could remember some of the lyrics to the songs because just that, <laughs> that's how my mind worked. But uh, and because uh, I remember they were kind of like almost now what you know tenacious D ish as far as they were right. comical yes. at times. Not and, as good, uh, but you know clearly yeah, yeah, but, it was. Yeah, yeah. Silly and funny and uh, serious right. and, uh, you know, U2 sounds yes. mixed with uh, everything. And, uh, but right. uh, I remember, you know, so that and then my cousin, um, Pat Allen's son, Eric Allen. Right. He had a band yes. that had come to Crane and played as well. And they were very I remember new that. wave. That was a big yeah. Deal. Yeah, new wave before I knew what new wave was, and I learned right about Duran Duran and you know all this spray hairspray in your hair and you know right just dress cool and uh, so yeah those those two musical experiences were such a big thing on me being like I want to be in a rock and roll band. I love uh, that. I love yeah. that Glastos yeah. had influence on it was huge. It, it really, it <laughs> honestly was really huge. Seriously. Uh, so, uh, and I honestly, for years and years and years, I fantasized about going back and playing the auditorium at Crane. You know, every time I would close my yes. eyes and like write a song, I would be like, I would imagine it on that stage playing, which I, you know, I played there. With right. uh, Dusty Revis and David Henry right. and um, Brent and Shane Jennings um, a few times, you know, when I was in high school. But right. that was always like my go-to kind of like a dream thing to play in my head is the concert that you guys had played. So uh, right. that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and I'm playing. I've always wanted to, and I never have got one, but I've always wanted a nylon string guitar because. I can remember the smell of that band closet and then learning the D chord oh, and a yeah. G chord uh, <laughs> in that room with you guys. Right. Um, so, and I can't remember who, who else would, would have been playing music with you. I remember Sean Carlton and uh, Matthew Voiles and, um, you know, Voiles and Gretchen, now Russell and, yeah. um, and John Jenkins was the bass John, yeah. Okay, John, yeah. L. Rod, you know, yeah. and yeah. that's who the band was, you know, and Dusty was the only really good musician in the group, and he was only there when we played the concert, you know, oh, so okay. it was, yeah. he came on board, he was the ringer, and I actually reached out to him last week, I haven't gotten a response, 
because I'd like to have him on the podcast. You know, I'd love to have him on there. You know, it's yeah. just been fun to reach out to people and see every different place that people have gone. But I just. Yeah. I um, just wait, are you talking because... about Desi Revis or are you talking about. Uh... Yeah, Dusty Rose. Yeah. Yeah. He actually just messaged me last night. I guess I got challenged in one of those like top 10 album okay. things that influenced <laughs> you. So, yeah, I just uh, spoke with him last night. So, uh, I'll, really? I'll tell okay. him that. Okay. So, what so. would your top 10 albums be? Oh, yeah. I made a list, uh, actually, because I was uh, debating that last night. But, um, okay. oh, they're on my phone, but I could probably say them you know, off the top of my head, but Pink Floyd has right. always been an influence and really my favorite album is Animals, but uh, Dark Side of the Moon and, um, uh, you know, going all the way back uh, into like, say the 80s, it would have like a pivotal thing would have been Duran Duran. I got the cassette Arena, I think in 1984, 85, along with Van Halen's 1984 and so uh -huh. those were big, big things on me. And, uh, um, yeah. And some of the rest of the bands got more obscure and the cure has been a huge thing for me. Yes. I've seen the cure. I don't know how many times live and, uh, have traveled all over trying to see them. And, uh, a lot of new wave bands, the fix and, um, progressive bands like yes. And, um, right. Uh, uh, yeah, Peter Gabriel. Um, um, yeah, gosh, I don't know. I'm such a music addict, and this is so – the quarantine <laughs> time where all concerts have stopped has been – like I'm right. usually going to one to more concerts all the time. I saw the Rolling Stones right. this last year, and uh, have you ever got to see the Rolling Stones before? Oh, yeah. Gosh, I've got to see just... them three times. They're just, uh, when I saw them this last year, they're the only band that I've ever seen. And I'm like, you're looking at, you know, Charlie or, you know, those guys and thinking they're 80 years old, you know, 75, right. 80. <laughs> yes. If anyone's ever had a deal with the devil that worked out, it right. was those guys. <laughs> Definitely. Like, uh, they made a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And they still sounded great. Uh, well, you know, what I think is so funny about them is I saw them in 1989 and so i saw them when i was in high school and yeah. then i saw them with my kids in 19 it was 2015 and uh -huh. they were better in 2015 decidedly than they were in 1989 it's crazy i expected nothing out of them when i saw them and they keith had you know just had heart surgery like they had right. postponed the the concert uh, uh -huh. and flipped the dates around. So it was like the tour was supposed to start in one area and end in another. And then they just went, he was down for like three weeks or something. And then they flipped the tour around backwards and uh, he was just all over the place. It just didn't make sense. Uh, uh, just incredible. Uh, I just thought they were super. And, you know, I yeah. was so great. I was so glad that I got, to see, you know, get my kids see that, and they were so good. Mm hmm. And it was yeah, so worthwhile. Funny, and yeah, just, uh, yeah. Keith Richards was telling jokes, and, uh, yeah. You could understand him. It was, it was great.
Very fun. And so, do you have any other questions for me? Uh, yeah, um, I guess it, uh, basically I wanted to talk about that show and how important that show was to me. It really uh, is that, amazing that, to hear that. Yeah. Um, be, you know, cause in Crane, you know, like that it was such a vacuum and it's such a, you know, growing up there is such a like TV show or something like it. Not, not a TV right. show, but a part of you know, middle America, like right. weird, you know, you can walk all over town and I remember just, you know, walking all over town, you know, without right. any kind of care in the world. And it didn't right. seem like anybody was ever worried sure. about right. anything. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah. So I don't know. It was just a kind of a surreal time to even think back and describe that to people. Uh, especially my friends from bigger cities, you know, when I tell them that I had 24 people in my graduating class, right. <laughs> uh, that I knew everyone and that we really couldn't, you know, I couldn't date girls from that town because either a, I was related to them or, you know, I dated them when I was in elementary school when it much. didn't count. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I knew them like sisters <laughs> by the time we were in high school. So, right. So, uh, I, most, I guess a lot of people can't relate to that, especially in bigger cities. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody outside of this area, just because this is just, it was different. It was small on different scale. Yeah. Yeah. It, for sure. Yeah. My, <laughs> my, definitely my, it was, I guess, either my grandmother or my mom or somebody always joked that you had to ask your parents who you could date, not because for <laughs> permission, but because you were probably related to them and right. you needed to check out <laughs> all that. But, um, but yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And uh, I can't really think of, uh, hey, so who, who is some of the, I know you did uh, so much music and I don't know how many people have sure. asked you about music since you've been doing the show, but. Some Happy of your to. favorite people that you've ever met um, through music, uh, you know, I guess in person. I guess that my deal is that, you know, clearly having the record label was mm -hmm. cool and, you know, getting to do a lot of the people in those because, you know, I think that what people don't understand, and this is something that to me is a big deal and I'm on the soapbox now. And that is that our area, Southwest Missouri is kind of crazy how well thought of globally our area is. And yet it becomes, a, you know, it's always a problem of even getting 10 people did to the gig. And so yeah. that's something mm -hmm. that I got to see, you know, and deal with all the time of having these bands, that would be big in Chicago or New York, but they were mm -hmm. not big in their hometown. Absolutely. You know? And so, you know, I got to deal with and do things with bands that were much bigger nationally than they were locally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the Morels, especially and Lou Whitney, you yeah. know, Lou Whitney was such a big deal and still is, you know, to me. And then additionally, I, I loved the Domino Kings and I still think they were great. And so a lot of the stuff I got to do there, but then additionally, I loved, I got to, to work with Merle Haggard a little bit. 
you know, That's before amazing. he died. And yeah. it was so fun to get to sit on the bus and talk to him. And anybody that says that he didn't smoke pot didn't know him <laughs> because he did. And, you know, and so he was, it was fun to talk to him and get to know him. I got to talk to Willie once and I love those guys. And I, you know, ended up loving. It's funny because I actually probably listened to more country music after I I moved away from Crane than Absolutely. when I was down there. Yeah, but for then sure. I, I got, was. I no, got same involved. thing for me. Yeah. You know, it really got to become much more cool to like country music after I moved away. And not that I care about whether it's cool or not, but, you know, I always loved that music and just kind of grew to love it more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so when I was in college, I got to interview Emmylou Harris and for people like that, and that was cool. But then, you know, the, the big things that I think of as far as music are, I really like a lot of the stuff I got to do with jazz and, you know, I got to beat, um, I got to talk to, actually, I was supposed to meet um, Dizzy Gillespie and I ended up being kind of stiff-armed and not being allowed to meet him, but then I did get to talk to him over the phone. And, you know, so anyway, of course, that is before you could record calls or anything like Mm -hmm. that. And so I like the stuff that I did in those days. And I like the stuff that, you know, I got to write about on in the paper and everything else. And that was fun. But yeah, definitely probably the more stuff that I've done since the record label, you know, I've just liked all the involvement that I've always gotten to have with it. Yeah. You know, uh, after, of course, after you've met enough celebrities and stuff, you realize that they're no different from anybody else. Right. And that, that you don't, you don't <laughs> yeah. really get starstruck after all. you've done that enough, but who was the f- first person that you remember being super starstruck when you met them? Well, let me think about that. Um, I guess for me, it was probably somebody. Let me think about that. That's a, that is a question I've never been asked. And so where you take it, a minute. induced panic kind of, you know, and <laughs> you know, this is kind of a weird answer, but honestly, I got to hang out with Mike Watt and Kira. Oh, and, yeah. That would be great. And as weird as it is to say, I got to, they were, that was during the era when, you know, I guess that would have been probably 91 or 92. And I do remember mm-hmm. I got, to, I got to take Mike, Mike Watt around St. Louis and get him crutches because he had, get, he had been in a show the night before and he had he was playing with he called them Sonics, but it was Sonic mm-hmm. Youth, and they mm-hmm. were, and basically I got to get I got to get Mike Watch Watt crutches in St. Louis, and I don't know why but that always stuck out to me as being a really cool deal. That's awesome. I saw him uh, with Sonic Youth actually, um, maybe really? like three years after that. Um, he played like a side stage at Lollapalooza. I think it was, it was like probably 95. Um, yeah. Sonic Youth was headlining and he was on a side stage, but I was right. stopped whoever and, you know, we were watching again, then. 
I've gotten to be, be with much larger people or whatever, but it was just cool getting to ride around with him and everything and just getting to see, you know, that's kind of that point where you get to see people in a totally different light than you ever would have thought you would have. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, Mike Watt and Kira, that was my moment in 92, whatever reason. Nice. So there we are. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, same thing with me. And I think it was a matter of just, you know, growing up around Branson and working in Branson and being around country right. music. It was just what you were exposed to all the time. So it wasn't really right. what you wanted to, it's kind of eating the same meal every day. And right. Exactly. You wanted new things. But, you know, once I got away from there, I really kicked myself for all the experiences where I could have, especially working in Branson. Oh, yeah. When, oh, definitely. you know, I, I was, you know, working there in 92, 93 at the peak of at one time. I right. mean, like I was. That was the best time to be in there. Yeah. Definitely. I, I remember the day that Conway Twitty died and I was at work at Whitewater and, uh, right. And, you know, that whole city was just like, oh my gosh, you know, you, he had been taken to, I think, Springfield, you know, and they, and yeah. then he, they had announced he died and. And at that time, you know, Willie was there and it was just everybody. The Cash Willie family was always Cash there. And Merle Haggard. Always. Crazy. And I really, I was afraid that at that point I became, had become like, I am into hard rock, heavy metal music. Right. And I sure. was afraid that, <laughs> not afraid, but like, I thought that wasn't the cool thing for me to, to be into. Right. Sure. Um, and, uh, it was only, you know, really after I got out and even, you know, like even when I travel internationally and stuff. And now if I'm in, you know, when people ask where I'm from and I say, you know, and I kind of have to triangulate Memphis, you know, right. and Ozark Mountains or whatever. And, uh, then they just, they're, that circle, you know, between Memphis and all that area is, you know, most people all over the world are influenced by that. And, Again, um, it's cooler outside than it is yeah. here because, yeah. you know, I, you know, of course I had to try to promote the, that music and that was sometimes hard, but mm -hmm. again, it's much bigger. You know, in other words, the guy that's trying to do this documentary about Springfield is actually mm -hmm. in Chicago. And he's actually kind of a well-known writer. But yeah. when I try to get any interest in the stuff that is the coolest music, the mm -hmm. coolest movie about Springfield ever, it's still just like crickets. And it's so ridiculous because it ought to be considered to be a big deal. Yeah. I, I guess it you just know? gets shrugged <laughs> off because they deem it accessible, overly accessible. Right. I don't know. And, I guess uh, so. But yeah, it's like that, you know, like coming through Little Rock, you know, there'll be these bands that are selling huge venues in Europe. Right. But Europe, you right. know, treats music a little <laughs> bit different than we do. Yes. And then definitely. they'll come there and they play to, you know, 35 people. And, uh, right. or Memphis is the same way. They have a really hard time, um, oh, yeah, with mid sized bands, you know. I know that. Sure. Yeah. I know that because I know that, you know, you could go to, Al Green's church, and that's, you yeah. know, somehow that's not as cool as whatever, you know, it's just right. like, yeah. 
it's amazing to see because I guess you say that's kind of something that people deal with everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I guess so. And maybe it's like that in Detroit <laughs> for Detroit musicians. I don't know. Um, Probably but, so. Yeah. My guess is that it works the same way everywhere. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I guess what I would say, you know, to wrap this up is, you know, number one, tell me the places that you need to learn about your websites and everything else. Tell me about yeah. those. Yeah. Um, Illusionite.com, um, or if you go to Spinning Inside Records for, for my music, um, we're on Spotify, Amazon Prime, every kind of way that you can stream music. I mean, right. YouTube or whatever, but it's got a bunch of commercials on there unless you got the whatever paid. And then, uh, <laughs> and then Lucky Bella, um, dot com, uh, and TattooArkansas.com. Those are all the websites that point directly at art. Um, that I've done or associated with me. Um, right. So, so yeah. And, uh, Lucky Bella is our studio that we, we had named it after our late shit zoo, Bella, uh, who, uh, passed away right when we opened the studio. So, um, really, it's, uh, but it's kind of a rock and roll looking themed kind of, uh, uh, fun place. Um, and uh, all the artists that work with me that uh, I've known for over a decade, they were right. younger coming up people that I kind of uh, brought into the fold. And they're all just amazing people and their art's amazing as well. So, Well, that is just amazing to know that that is one more connection to Crane. And I'm so happy to get to talk to you today and spend some time now have you ask a few questions about Glassdoff. I had no idea that the... <laughs> That the conversation was going to end up there, but that's what's fun. Is it so cool <laughs> to get to see where everything ends up? Absolutely. So there we are. Well, thank you All so right, much for man. having me Talk on. To you later. Oh, All right, thank, thank you. you. Love All it. right, take care. Thank you. Bye. Dale